0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On today's episode of the 1012 podcast, we are previewing college baseball regionals, all 6 Big 12 teams in action with John and Kyle from College Baseball Nation plus a little Kansas State talk and what's going on with West Virginia at Kentucky. Plus, let's talk Colorado, let's talk Yukon, let's talk Big 12 meetings, let's talk realignment. We got a lot of that stuff to get to and the bowl game for the Big 12 that has changed its sponsor. Goodbye, Cheez-Its. Hello, Pop-Tarts. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network, and partners with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. A little bit light this week, but that's okay. There's a reason for that. It was a holiday weekend, and so I did what I could. No, but we have a fantastic show today. Very excited, always excited when John and Kyle of College Baseball Nation come and join us we're previewing baseball regionals. They get underway this Friday. Six Big Twelve teams in action. Yes, we talk about Kansas State a little bit. The insanity that West Virginia is dealing with. Why Oklahoma deserves some props. And two teams, we think, because we had to pick two. That was the rule. We think could make it to Omaha from the Big Twelve. Plus, winning percentages, likelihoods that all six teams could make it out of their regional. Before we get to baseball, can I just can I do the softball real quick? Can we get can we get softball? Like, w- look, we're going to talk about Colorado in a minute, and we're going to talk about the Pac-12 in a minute, and we're going to talk about UConn in a minute. We have to. Uh, we just, we have to. But I want to talk softball just, just for a second. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the Women's College World Series gets underway Well, today, the day this episode comes out on Thursday. Both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in action. Every team in action beginning today. Very, very very exciting. It's the it's the pinnacle of the sport. It's going to be incredible. Yes, OU's inevitable third straight national title feels inevitable. The run that Oklahoma's on, they have now have the longest win streak in NCAA softball history. They're going for a three-peat. If they don't lose again, they will own the best single-single season win percentage in incidental history. The amount of history that Oklahoma is playing for beyond just a title is absolutely insane. And yes, I think Clemson almost beating them in supers in a game two was just what Oklahoma needed to crank it up even more. I think they're going to have some incredible matchups. I think after Stanford, whether they face Alabama or Tennessee, I think it's Tennessee, I think that one's going to be incredible. I don't know who they'll face in the championship series. If you told me it was Tennessee at this point, I'm on board. If you told me it was Florida State from the other side of the bracket, okay. The way Oklahoma State is playing, maybe. We got OSU and Florida State in game three, prime time. I cannot wait for that one. Oklahoma-Stanford in game 2 We They're softball all day on Thursday, all day on Friday. I cannot wait. I want to give Oklahoma State some props here. And I mean this absolutely as a compliment because Oklahoma State is the best softball program without a national title. They're now tied with Washington Cal for 15 Women's College World Series appearances. That is tied for the fifth most all-time. Did you know that? Fifth most all-time. There are seven teams who've had 15 or more Women's College World Series appearances. Oklahoma State is one of them. They're one of the only teams with 15 or more appearances. In fact, they're one of the only teams with 13 or more appearances who has not won a title. And now they're just the sixth program in the Super Regional era to make four straight Women's College World Series, joining Arizona, Arizona State, Florida, Oklahoma, and UCLA. Super Regional started in 2005. To get there four years in a row, and yes, COVID year was in the middle of there, but the last four times a Women's College World Series was held, Oklahoma State was there in OKC. It's an incredible run. The team has been fantastic. The blip. Let's just call it the blip. Because that's what it feels like now. The 2-11 run. Who knows what's going to happen on OKC. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait for this weekend. I cannot wait for baseball regionals to get underway. Baseball regional weekend is always a ton of fun. It's college baseball on all day. Friday and Saturday and a bunch on Sunday. And probably maybe a few games on Monday. It's just, it's a great college sports weekend. If you like college sports, it's a great weekend. Tons of action make sure you're prepared for all that action by going to last stand hats i'm a big hat fan and if you're a big hat fan especially if you're a fan of texas tcu and oklahoma state and texas who are all of course participating in regionals this weekend then you need to go to last stand hats and deck your head out right now they have baseball hats not just baseball hats i mean they've got a cowboy pinstripe circle Oklahoma State baseball cap in a couple of different color options for you. It is fantastic. They've got a Texas hat for the Texas baseball fan. It's it's real good. It's real good. They've actually got a couple of baseball options if you're a Texas fan. Texas Tech. There's a Texas Tech golf Cat. It's so stinking good. And guess what, TCU? They've got a pinstripe circle hat for you, too, for baseball season. So go to laststandhats.com. Check out all of the incredible hats that they have there, all the unique designs, perfect stuff for baseball season, things that you can wear all summer long or prep yourself for the upcoming football season with. Use the promo code Network12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 for 10% off your order. They've got non-Big 12 schools available in there if you are a fan of another Texas school. And if there's a school that you're a fan of that you want to see Last End Hats carry, reach out to them, let them know. They will work on it. They've got some other stuff there you're going to want to check out as well. Some shirts, some polos. Go to Last End Hats. I'm going to be rocking one this weekend. I hope you are as well while you watch college baseball. Early football TV schedule was released. We know TV times for the first three weeks, plus any Thursday. Or Friday night games, obviously you've seen it for your teams. A lot of ESPN Plus, that's okay. The Big 12 doesn't do a great job of scheduling in the non-con. A lot of meh G5 and FCS games. That's what happens. You end up with what you end up with. Some disappointing. I mean, 11 a.m. for Kansas date at Missouri on SEC Network is less than ideal. Oklahoma State, Arizona State is going to put the test to see if that game, which is a 9.30 kickoff can beat a Pac-12 on Pac-12 late kick after dark. That one should be interesting. Uh, I'm just excited for football. The first Big 12 game of the season, Thursday night, week one, UCF, Kent State, Kansas also opening on that Thursday. Is it wild that the first Big 12 game to kick off this year is going to be a UCF game? It's a wild thing to just start wrapping your head around. I cannot wait. Uh, At the end of the season, the Cheez-It Bowl is no more. The Cheez-It Bowl is dead. Long live the Pop-Tarts Bowl. That's right. Uh, the bowl formerly known as the Cheez-It Bowl, formerly known as the Camping World Bowl, long, 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 long ago, formerly known as the Blockbuster Bowl, is now the Pop-Tarts Bowl. That is the bowl game played in Orlando that pits the Big 12 and the ACC together. It's kind of the number three bowl behind the Sugar and Alamo. Obviously, if you make a team in the playoff, then it's like the fourth. But it, in the actual bowl-packing order, it goes Sugar against the ACC. Alamo, and then what is now the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Uh, I'm already following them on Twitter. We're going to start a campaign. We want to be the official podcast of the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Uh, We want to be there. I want to pour Pop-Tarts out of a water cooler onto the winning coach's head. It's Pop-Tarts. Like, please give me fun food sponsors that we can do crazy things with. Am I going to spend more time than I should trying to create specialty flavors for each school uh, in Pop-Tarts and design those in Illustrator? that I'm mediocre in. Yes. It's a long off season. Just patience, everyone. Patience will get there. All right. So let's get to the story everyone's talking about. And that, of course, is Colorado rejoining the Big 12 conference. Now, look, I have said on this show many times, I do not think Any of the current Pac-10 schools, that is, of course, Pac-12, minus USC and UCLA, will leave that conference and join the Big 12. Look, I am perfectly fine admitting when I am wrong. And as soon as a team from the Pac-10 announces they're leaving for the Big 12, I will admit I am wrong. I went on Big 12 radio. They asked me what I think will happen. I said nothing. I said, I think nothing will happen. I think at the end of this, those 10 teams will sign a contract that keeps them together in the Pac-10 for another four or five seasons, and then the conference will fall apart. But there is a lot of smoke, not just the little puffs of smoke we had seen for a while. There is a lot of smoke. We have Barry Trammell in part to thank for that. We read about that article last week, and now we have Dennis Dodd and A lot of people on social media who are making a lot of hints. Now, there's some crackpots out there. But let's just start with what Dodd had to say for CBS. Now, yes, I understand that Dennis Dodd gets most of his information from Big 12 sources. Let's just, let's all be upfront and honest about that. That's okay. According to Dennis Dodd, quote, Colorado has been in substantive talks with the Big 12 about possibly joining the growing league, a source with knowledge of the discussions, tells CBS Sports. While a move out of the Pac-12 is not assured, Colorado is performing due diligence to determine whether to return to the conference it once called home. The Buffaloes, like the rest of the Pac-12, remain in wait-and-see mode regarding a new mighty rights deal that has yet to be solidified. Of course, as we all know, they have been out to market since Labor Day from like last year and have not have a deal in place yet. Everything we've heard and seen, Andrew Marshan, one of the best people covering all of this, is They do not have the number close to the Big 12. And if they're getting a contract from someone who's going to put the majority of their tier one content over the airwaves on TV, no one knows where that's coming from. Amazon doesn't sound likely. Not sure about Apple. No substantive talks with ESPN about tier one stuff. ESPN might still be involved for a bit. Fox might still be involved for a bit with the right for the right number. Maybe ABBA comes back around, CW, whatever. We don't know. Back to Dennis Dodd. Quote, Colorado and the Big 12 have met face-to-face while involved in consistent talks over a period of several months, according to multiple sources. It was made clear that a move to the Big 12 would not be made without the support of football coach Deion Sanders. That is a big point here. Sanders is very important to Colorado. He's important to them. That they got him is a big deal. They're not going to make a move like this without his okay. It's just not. Right, back to Dodd. Quote, CU's rumored Big 12 interest was the talk of the Fiesta Summit earlier this month in Scottsdale, Arizona, with several sources speculating in the hallways. Of course, we mentioned Barry Trammell's article. Uh, this quote, I think, is very important. Listen to it closely. This is coming from a Colorado Athletic Director, Rick George. Quote, I have no comment other than what I said last week. Colorado Athletic Director, Rick George, told CBS Sports We are proud members of the Pac-12 in a perfect world. We'd love to be in the Pac-12, but we also have to do what is right for Colorado at the end of the day. We're happy here. We'd rather stay here. And that's the whole point we've been hammering home is that the Pac-10 schools would rather stay together in the Pac-10 than leave. But there are some schools, Colorado obviously, Arizona I think is the other one, who I think are leaning more towards potentially having to leave than the other eight are. Back to Dodd. Quote, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yarmark and Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov had no comment. Uh, it is expected Colorado would receive an equal media rights share, $31.7 million beginning in 2025, to join the Big 12, making the move even more attractive. The league's contract with ESPN and Fox is believed to guarantee an equal share for any expansion team so long as they are currently Power 5 members. We knew that about ESPN. There are more and more reports coming out as of late, including a comment from Max Olson on another podcast that... It is believed that Fox will also match if the Big 12 brings in a Power 5 team. Uh, back to Dodd. Quote, Big 12 schools are expected to get an update about expansion prospects this week during conference spring readings in West Virginia. They are there right now. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. There remains the feeling out there that should your mark get one packed school to defect, it would create a domino effect leading to the other four quarter schools, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah fleeing for the Big 12 as well, of course, we know your mark wants to uh, be the conference that can cover from coast to coast all four time zones. OK, uh, last bit here, the Pac-12 continues to expect that a deal will be announced in the late spring or early summer. We're about out of spring here. Uh, CBS Sports reported earlier this month that the conference remains confident we'll land a meteorites deal with a major carrier. The deal's not there yet. The smoke's getting thick. In fact, we can feel the heat from the flames when it comes to Colorado. I want to talk about the expansion talks of the Big 12 meetings here in a second, but I do want to say this. I am not so sure that Colorado leaving the Pac-12, the Pac-10, is going to collapse the whole league and everyone else is going to come a running. The concern for Arizona, to me, and the reason that they're not the one that is leaning towards being the first, is they're so attached at the hip to Arizona State that I think even if Colorado leaves, it's not a guarantee everyone else will. Because the Pac-10 may just go, okay, we lost Colorado. All right, let's add San Diego State. We'll stick to 10 teams. We'll get the best money we can, and we'll go from there and stick together. Because I think they all still would prefer to do that. Why might Colorado be the first one to leave? To recruit in Texas, which they can't do, and Deion Sanders apparently wants to do. That is just what rumors say. Because they already have the established relationship with the Big 12. That does play a role in this. Heck, you've got local sports media reporting news in relation to this. Eric Goodman from Mike Mile High Sports Radio on 981 FM tweeted out, I've been told by a very reliable source these types of talks have been going on for some time now and Sanders is more than open to moving to the Big 12. Colorado left the Big 12 because they thought the conference was collapsing and they have a large alumni base in the West Coast. They thought that would benefit them in recruiting. They thought they'd still be able to recruit Texas. They have not been able to. USC and UCLA are leaving. How easy is it going to be to recruit the West Coast now? Like that's going to have an impact. Here's the other thing. Shout out to Jeff Fuller, at jjfuller 272 on Twitter. Uh, Since joining the Pac-12 in 2011, Colorado has received $56 million less in conference distributions than it had they stayed in the Big 12 as full members. $56 million. That's, um, that's a good chunk of change. Understand, even if Colorado leaves the Pac-12, this is the point I want to make. It's not their first choice. I think they'd rather stay. But I don't think it's the first domino that's going to bring the whole thing crashing down. It's just as likely Colorado leaves and they don't lose anyone else. Which is why the UConn card is being played so aggressively. You're not going to bring in one team. You're going to bring in two. And if you can't get anyone else to leave but Colorado, you got to bring in another member. And UConn's rear are ready to go and UConn, and I understand why some fans aren't excited about UConn. I, I, I'm I'm, not going to argue with you about it at all. Not at all. I understand it. But it also fits your Mark's plan to grow Big 12 basketball into a brand that he can sell separately and make more money off of. Not a shitload of more money, just more money. And UConn fits that. Men's and women's basketball for Connecticut is fantastic. Now, Does it stay as good in the Big 12 as it did in the Big East? I do think there's some geography stuff there in play, but UConn would absolutely take the money and figure out the rest later. So let's talk about those expansion conversations in West Virginia. Let's go over to Sports Illustrated Ross Dellinger's article. Uh, Big 12's expansion negotiations with Gonzaga, among others, are expected to take center stage this week at the Conference of Spring Meetings in West Virginia. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark and other league officials continue deep discussions with the Zags as well as with the schools consulting for Navigate, sources tell Sports Illustrated. Yormark began conversations with the school several months ago as part of his pursuit to expand the conference and add value to what is already the country's strongest college basketball league. As SI reported in a story published May 15th, the Big 12 is also targeting another basketball power East five-time national champion, UConn. A pairing of the two would give the league dominant hoops programs on either coast. Dillinger continues, Big 12 presidents and athletic directors will meet Wednesday through Friday in a gathering that is expected to focus on yourmark's desire to grow the league to as many as 16 members in his first year presiding over the conference. Your mark is following an aggressive agenda with three primary goals, two of which are complete. The Big 12 inked a new long-term television deal last fall with Fox and ESPN and struck a deal with Texas and Oklahoma to move them out of the league a year earlier than scheduled. The remaining goal is clear, expand Conference at Meetings in Phoenix a month ago, Big 12 athletic directors discussed various expansion targets at length, including UConn, San Diego State, and UNLV, as well as the possibility of adding Pac-12 schools, the most likely of which seemed to be Colorado and Arizona. Big 12's pursuit of Gonzaga, UConn, San Diego State, and UNLV is somewhat contingent on whether the league can grab any Pac-12 defectors. Conference's new TV contract calls for a pro rata share for any Power 5 expansion members. Additions from the group of five could mean splitting the TV revenue by however many programs are added, which is, of course, a potential issue. So, why add UConn? We don't want to add just one team. They bring basketball in from the East, they give you another Eastern team and a pair with UConn or in a care with Colorado. So, they make sense. Or is it a bluff? Is it a bluff to put pressure on Arizona to te- to get them to come with Colorado? Is it a pressure on Arizona to say, we understand your relationship with Arizona State, but you need to come now? Is Gonzaga for real? Is UConn for real? I don't know. But I don't think they'll add one team. You tend to add teams in pairs. Or in even numbers, you don't want to be a 13-team conference. You want to be a 14, a 16. San Diego State has stated its preferences to join the Pac 10. And again, if Pac 10 loses Colorado, they'll just add San Diego State, and San Diego State gets to be part of the Pac 10. The Pac 10 gets to stay a 10 team conference together, and, and they'll be okay for a while. If I'm your mark, here's my plan Get Colorado. You've got till July 1st. Let's get this done. Get Arizona. You've got till July 1st. Get it done. And they'll be done. Stand Pat. You've added two Western teams. You're at a 14-team conference. You are now the only conference who can play games at all four time zones, start from 11 a.m. till after dark. Get those teams paid. Start building that brand. And when the next cycle start hits, go after it again. I think that's the play. If you can't get the corner four, get two of them and be done. You want to add Gonzaga and Yukon for basketball? Fine. We'll we'll try that out. We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm gonna I'll roll with it. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent at this point about it. Is it exciting and interesting? Yeah. Do I love it? Yeah. We'll see. They get Colorado, get Arizona, and be done. If you ask my opinion right here on 10 50 PM on May 31st, if the Big 12 will add anybody from the Pac 12, I feel 50 50 which is a hell of a lot more to the side of it happening than I did two months ago. It's going to be a very interesting June. I think July 1st is kind of the deadline. Hell, by the time this episode was live, this could all be irrelevant in Colorado. I could be joining the Big 12, and I could be posting an emergency podcast, so we'll see. Uh, do me a favor. Follow us on Twitter at 1012network. Leave us a rating, five stars. Please leave us a review on iTunes. We haven't had a new one in a while, and I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, make sure you uh, know 1012network.com and follow every show on the network. We have shows for the four incoming schools. There are four schools joining the Big 12 in one month on July 1st. We've got Scott and Holman for Houston, Sons of UCF for UCF, Give Them Hell Brigham for BYU, and Viva La Cats for Cincinnati. Go check out all the shows. Familiarize yourself with these schools, these programs, these fan bases. It's a great way to do so. Go check out all four podcasts for the new shows the new school's incoming, all right? We're on YouTube as well, tend to a podcast, if that's your way of wanting to, to digest this. We've got full episodes going up. I've got some of the interviews in video format, if you want to check them out, go do that. My weird backgrounds, sometimes it's at the office, sometimes it's in my children's playroom. You never know where I'll be. Two great guests, John and Kyle, let's talk college baseball regionals. Let's get to it. Hey there folks, this is Justin Hiles of the Viva La Cats Podcast, which is now proudly presented by the Big 12's premier podcasting group, the 1012 Network. My co-host Steve and I cover all the ins and outs of Cincinnati football and basketball, for better or for worse. We release a new episode every single week, sometimes with guests, sometimes it's just the two of us kicking back talking bearcats. So, if you like raw emotion and heavy recency bias, we are definitely victims of that. It clouds our conscious, and it should cloud yours too. We also have an every once in a while Twitter spaces post game review on our page at Viva La Cats pod on Twitter, where we invite all of our friends and enemies to discuss everything that we just witnessed minutes prior. If you like your podcast with a laid back environment, way too serious about stupid ideas, the deepest of stat pools, or just straight up white noise, then you've come to your one stop shop for everything Bearcats. Viva La Cats. We've said it on this podcast numerous times. March Madness is the king of college athletic post seasons, period, end of story. But if I may give them a a true close rating baseball and softball are a lot closer to March madness than we give them enough credit for, because frankly having college softball, having college baseball on my TV all day for like four day weekend is a fantastic weekend. And if you have the luxury of just sitting around and having it on all day long, like bless you, props to you. I have done that before and I will do that again when my children are all moved out of the house and, uh, I have the time and ability to do so. But uh, luckily today, we are previewing college baseball regional action. Six Big 12 teams, not seven. We'll try and talk about that in action this weekend. Only one host. We could talk about that if we want. But if I'm going to talk college baseball, you guys know who I'm bringing on as a guest. Um, There's basically three guests I bring on here on a regular basis if we're going to talk about baseball as a whole. These two are fantastic. The host of College Baseball Nation, the two guys who are the face, the voice, uh, the fingers and words and everything behind college baseball nation they are of course kyle and john welcome back guys
1: Thanks. Thank i'm you. glad you stopped listening listening body parts at face and fingers <laughs> <laughs> that's all we are we don't that's need to go do, into right any more depth the noses,
0: cords. the ears the <laughs> yeah. i don't know left foot uh so and so forth uh full guys hunky, very pokey. excited <laughs> turn yourself all the way around uh let's just start by saying this. If you, if you are out there and trying to figure out about the regionals and want to maybe just do some, just some thoughts on how do I, how do I pick this? Maybe I'm filling in a bracket. What do I do? Start by going to collegebaseball.info. When you get there, you'll see at the top, there's a button called dashboard. Click to it. It has all the regions broken down. Got some great stuff here. Strength of schedule, RPI, fielding percentage, FIP and WOBA, you guys are going to explain what FIP and WOBA are, um, and then just like the percentage chance to win that regional. We're going to go over each of the Big Twelve teams and their chances based off these numbers and just our you know kind of gut because numbers uh, don't actually decide games. Uh, what happens on the field, the diamond, the pitch, whatever you want to call it, does. So, uh, guys, let's start with here. Okay, uh, forgive me for being a a college baseball uh, casual. But I am, and so I have to ask my buddy Joel all the time. He says, here's this thing, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, You just sent me four letters that could be uh, the name for a new drug or a baseball stat or got, or some stat that shows There's up on um, the index 500 <laughs> or NASDAQ or whatever it is. I don't, I'm not a stocks guy either. So uh, let's start with this. What
1: is WOBA? Yeah, this is uh, Kyle's uh, venue. So Kyle, take this one away for sure. Okay, sure.
2: WOBA is uh, weighted on-base average. It is an attempt that I don't remember who made, but the graphs was where I found it first. It is an attempt to come up with a one offensive number for a player, team, whatever, uh, that is better than batting average, slugging percentage, on-base percentage. It weights, um, singles, doubles, triples, and home runs, as well as walks, hits by pitch, and sacrifice flies. Uh, and it is a way just to like you can come up with the weights empirically with just like random numbers, or you can use like the people at Fangraphs did it. But I just used their numbers, and it was it's great. It, it it's a way that we use to just just get wh- how one player affects the team because that's that's kind of what you want to know, right?
0: So so when I see that
2: number next to a
0: team um, mm-hmm. for for player, I get it. How how does that translate out?
2: We just sum all of the data like offensive data for for the for every player on the team and it's a little bit better that way because then like in some some instances if you have players that have like two plate appearances and a hit in one and a hit in the other they're always going to be like three and that's that doesn't make any sense so for a team it's a lot better because there's a lot more like the law of large numbers there's a lot more people to add up and so it's more helpful I guess in that way just to kind of see like Oklahoma state right now is the best offense in the big 12 with a 425 Ova. Texas tech is right behind them. And that's kind of makes sense in your head. Like I know, yeah, those two teams have really good offenses and it team like Texas maybe doesn't have the offense. But they have a pretty good pitching staff. So it's just, it's a good way to, to kind of get a feel for a team's offense. That's where fifth
1: comes in. Which
0: so, is fielding independent of pitching, correct? Yes.
1: And the only reason why we, Use that one instead of ERA is because FIP is more predictive of future ERA than past ERA is. So a team's FIP is has a better chance of predicting how their pitching staff will do in the future than their current ERA does. So that's why we use that one to describe the pitching staff as a whole.
0: Very nice. I learned that one from softball, so I'm I'm, I'm picking up where I can. Hey, you know, uh, I do. I'm I'm trying to learn. You know, do we need to explain I'm to you much... record
1: and conference record?
0: <laughs> or is that
1: one we got? We got that one.
0: I mean, I'm not sure, we've got some Kansas State fans who have questions about whether or not record and conference record matters, and look, I'm not going to play the Kansas State versus Oklahoma, Kansas State won the last four out, Oklahoma won the last four, and I'm not going to play them against each other, even though Kansas State fans want to, because of the head-to-head, and I get the head-to-head, but when you play that many games, it doesn't have the impact that it does in, say, a 12-game schedule for college football, however, I will I don't care what the RPI says finishing six games below 500 in your conference should not earn you a postseason bid Arizona. But um,
2: yeah, we really, when it came down to it, we were making our picks for like the last night, like after they came out with the hosts and stuff, we put out one that like that night we thought Kansas state deserved it, but we thought also that the committee wouldn't put them in. Like we want in that in that one, we want to try and get it right, not what we think actually should happen. And so we that's why we left Kansas State out, and that's what the committee ended up doing, exclusively because of RPI. Like if it's if you're going Kansas State versus Oklahoma, Kansas State is the head-to-head, finished higher in the conference standings, better in the tournament. It's it's all the metrics are there, um, except for that RPI. And it's it sucks. RPI is terrible, but the committee leans on it. And so that's that's kind of what we had to do.
1: You want a, a deep pull right here. The last time a team that was more than six games below 500 made the NCAA tournament was 2008. It was Oklahoma. Oklahoma did it. So Oklahoma oh. uh, benefit of it out in 2008. Maybe benefit of it out in 2023.
0: Uh, like I, I, I've come around on the understand why Kansas State was left out. If you look at their, uh, when you break down the RPI and the first top 25, first top 50, 100 against 100 plus um their record there like for along with not playing an especially difficult schedule in the non-con some of those losses that they accrued against some of those poor teams they played explains why not only their rpi was as low as it was but if that was something that would play into a factor that was not going to go kansas state's way either so I understand the argument against Oklahoma that only matters if Kansas State was the last team out and Oklahoma was the last team in. I don't feel like that was the situation, so we can pick back and forth. But again, it's not football. There's a ton of games played. It all makes sense. It all matters. And I, and I hate it for Kansas State. I, I'm, I'm hoping that they make some adjustments uh, to their schedule next year to, to put themselves in a better situation. So let's talk about the six teams that did make it in. Uh, let's start with Oklahoma. Uh, they're heading to Charlottesville for Virginia's regional According to your dashboard here, Oklahoma, a three seed in Charlottesburg, Charlottesville, Charlottesburg, oh man, <laughs> uh, just a 5% chance of winning this regional. Again, when you're one of the last four teams in, like we've seen some crazy runs before. Obviously, Ole Miss and, and Oklahoma making it all the way to the final last year was pretty impressive. Again, numbers aren't everything, but it's hard to pick Oklahoma in a regional with against a Virginia team that feels like they're, they're playing pretty good pretty good
1: yeah Oklahoma's an enigma I mean five games above 500 on the year it's just they've lost a lot of games and that's why a lot of models that attempt to describe Oklahoma are not going to do them any favors so that five percent does feel pretty low but at the same time I do think it's fair to say that Oklahoma in the last two or three weeks is different than the Oklahoma of the first couple months of the season the pitching staff I'm not going to say has come together and figured things out but is more of a complete pitching staff now than it was 2 months ago. So the the models based on year long or season long data say Oklahoma doesn't have much of a shot. I would say they probably don't have much of a shot, but maybe more than 5%. And
2: this this Virginia team is also like they were had like a really bad stretch in the middle where they lost a series to Pittsburgh at home, swept on the road by Notre Dame, series loss by Duke, and then they turned it around and swept Louisville, swept, swept Georgia Tech, which aren't tournament teams, but sweeping ACC series is always hard. And they went one and one in the ACC tournament, and that's it, but that they are coming back around and they have like they won of those season long resumes. That's kind of how they earned that top eight seed. but it's still it's still a really good team that is doing a lot better than that middle stretch where they I think they had some injuries in there. So this this is still a really good offensive team in Virginia. So Oklahoma's gonna have to kind of figure some things out. They are doing like like John said, they're doing a lot better. So they have
1: maybe more of a chance. Based on, I do want to say, too, that this four seed in Army, this is the fifth straight year they've made the NCAA tournament. So, like, there's four four seeds that, you know, make it once every 50 years, and there are four seeds that are accustomed to the NCAA tournament. Like, this Army team is going to come ready to play. So, if Oklahoma ends up in a loser's bracket against Army, that's not going to be an easy out.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of wins on this senior roster,
0: It, it it does remind me of Oklahoma last year got things going at the right time of year to make that run. Similarly, Oklahoma this year playing their best toward the end of the year, and I do think it's an impressive season for Oklahoma to give Oklahoma their due. Remember, they lost from last year. They're in starting rotation. They're yeah. first baseman. They're starting shortstop. They're first starting catcher. they starting center fielder, designated hitter, key reliever, closer, top assistant coach. Oh, and they lost both their starting catcher and their starting shortstop this year for a month each. The fact that Oklahoma's even done enough to make it into the postseason even as one of the last four teams in, I think is impressive for an Oklahoma program that we know what their success is like in softball and football and so on and forth. This is not a baseball powerhouse. So for them to do this this year, I think is a fairly impressive for an Oklahoma team that's about to head to the SEC where they're going to have to figure some things out before they get there. Everyone's worried about football. Baseball is going to be, whoo, whoo, Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think this is a success getting to a regional for Oklahoma. I know preseason we picked them, Uh, I can't remember. I think we had him as a three seed in our preseason projection and everyone was up in arms about it. And it's like, it's hard when you lose your entire team. Like, (laughs) it's like, this is, uh, uh, you know, this is not the type of team that you think of when you think of like coach of the year awards type thing. But this is a hard coaching job to lose that much senior leadership, that much talent and still be able to win 31 games, make a regional. I mean, that's hats off to the staff. Yeah,
0: agreed. Absolutely agreed. Uh, Okay, next in uh, lowest percentage chance to win their regional Uh, Texas Tech over there at Florida at the Gainesville Regional three seed there. Your dashboard has them with just a 15 percent chance to win. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense given Texas Tech's uh, record on the road, which is not great this year.
1: Yeah, it actually gives them the second highest chance of winning after Florida. And I think this, this low percentage for Texas Tech really is a reflection of how good Florida is. Florida's really good. Florida's really good at home. Yeah, the dashboard says 71% for Florida and with three essentially aces that the Florida staff has. I know Caglione has had up and down to his last start. He didn't have the best start in the SEC tournament. He had a few really good starts at the end of the regular season. Beyond that, though, with Waldrop and Sprout, that Florida pitching staff can win three straight games it can win it has to come out of a loser's bracket Florida's super deep in, in the pitching staff just enough in the bullpen too i think that florida sets up for a regional pretty darn well
0: not to mention your two
1: seeds yukon
0: who i think's been pretty dang good this season so i i i think for texas tech like don't forget the fact that uh, florida i mean i i'm picking florida to win this regional but like You also have a two seed in UConn who's pretty good. So the idea of getting out of this regional and not being Florida is, um, seems highly unlikely again, stats don't decide everything. The game gets played on the diamond, but I, I mean, I I would almost, if I'm picking here as good as Virginia is, and I, we, you guys have Virginia at a 76% chance to, to win the regional, I think is the second highest after LSU at 83%. But then you've got Florida, as you mentioned at 71, um, Tough, tough draws for Oklahoma and Texas Tech. But as three seeds, you know, that's that's what's going to happen.
1: For sure. Yeah, that UConn team was won 18 games on the road compared to Texas Tech just winning six road games this year. This is a neutral site, technically, when they go up against each other. But this UConn team is experienced. You're totally right. This is not the type of situation where Texas Tech can overlook that 3-2 matchup because Yukon's going to come ready to play.
0: Next in the percentage chance to win their regional that they're in will be two seed TCU in Fayetteville at the Arkansas regional 17% chance. That's second best behind the host Arkansas three seed overall with a 66% chance to win their regional, uh, Arizona also here. One of those teams that we mentioned when the last four in and Santa Clara, uh, who has got one of the higher percentage chances for four seed at 6%, which is saying something. I, 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 I'm always weary of, hey, look, team went and made great run through conference tournament. Now they're entering postseason. We can, should consider them a hot team. Um, TCU's done well there at Globe Life Field in Arlington. I think their record this year's. I think they went like two and one to open the season as well. So they've lost like one game there this year. I think TCU just plays well in that stadium for some weird reason. I. I I like TCU. I, I think there's an up and down team. They could, might give Arkansas a little bit of trouble because we've seen Arkansas have some weird moments this year, but I, uh, I I would say of the three we've talked about so far, TCU far and away the best chance at of pulling off a regional upset of the three so far.
1: Hey, Bob Walker is not too far off from a professional stadium, so I mean, maybe TCU will feel right at home there because they it is the play. Is it, is it roofed? Is there a roof? Because no- we're gonna go with the
0: TCU roof <laughs> theory. That yeah. they're just good when there's a roof. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Arkansas is thirty and four at home this year. I think that's <laughs> that that tells the, the full story. I think for this Fayetteville regional. But yeah, Kyle, and I, you and you, you and I were talking about this. Like, what's the value of hot teams? Because TCU just won the Big Twelve. Arizona just almost won the Pac twelve tournament. This is two red hot teams coming to each other. But how much does those momentum really matter in baseball? Arkansas is a team that baffles me. They. Like, don't have a really good offense,
2: but they won 20 SEC games, which is really hard to do, along with a bunch of injuries that they've had. Uh, this, I mean, this obviously Dave Van Horn is a really good coach, won the SEC coach of the year. That's hats off to him, figuring something out, trying to move some t- pieces around and stuff. But this, this team is, I mean, it's a really good Arkansas team. I, I think Arkansas is going to find their way to Omaha. They seem to do that often with Dave Enhorn at the helm, but yeah, like TCU is hot. They like they like roofs. There's not a roof here. Maybe that's not, maybe that's the, the
1: key here. Yeah, that's how you pick a bracket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so hot right now. Yeah. Does there a roof or not? If there's a roof or if Texas AM is there, um pick TCU. Otherwise, right. <laughs> maybe go with them. Yeah. Uh uh Okay, next highest Texas and West Virginia. Let's start with Texas here. Uh, they are headed to Miami for the Miami regional. Uh twenty-one percent chance to win that regional. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to go back and forth, so forgive me as I as I like type in Big 12. Miami with a 61% chance to win that regional Texas with the second best odds, as I said, 21%. Uh, Louisiana also there, as well as Maine with a 5% I love when I see these uh four seeds with higher than less than one percent. It's very it's very fun and engaging. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I just like I I Texas is a good team, but they're so Like, they're going to go and sweep West Virginia, then they're going to lose a series, get swept by Oklahoma. Like, I just don't know what to, like, which Texas shows up? Like, And and that's the question here for Texas, is I I just don't know what team's going to show up in Miami to try and figure out if I trust them to to try and pull off the upset here.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing for me for Miami, which is a little bit of a wild card, is Gino Damari is, I, I, I won't go saying he's on the hot seat, but I'm say his seat is getting warmer Miami has been consistently performing in the ACC top 25 team year in year out has hosted some regionals has not won a regional in a little while including some home regionals so there could be some pressure on the Miami side so Texas going into that scenario might feel like uh, you know maybe slight advantage Texas here go first against the Louisiana team that just made it to the final of the Sun Belt tournament to sneak into the tournament sneak in Louisiana still won 40 games this year so I think I totally agree with you Philip on that assessment Texas a little bit of up and down we'll see what Tanner Witt can give Texas see if he gives them a little bit of an extra boost to that pitching staff but uh 21% chance Road to win a regional—that's that's actually pretty high because, like I, I I talked about before, it's hard to win road regionals. Home teams win regionals sixty-seven percent of the time.
0: All right, so West Virginia also with a twenty-one percent chance to win their regional. They are in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, for everyone who doesn't know what's going on in Lexington, let's just run through this real quick. If you're not aware, um, there is a uh, music country music festival going on. Uh, this weekend. Yeah. It's, it's got a decent lineup. So there are no hotels within an hour of Lexington because of this. There's also some like other festival nearby uh, that's going on. Also, Kentucky's campus is hosting the Kentucky high school baseball, softball track and tennis tournaments Whoa. this weekend. Uh, apparently Kentucky begged the NCAA to be able to host a regional despite all the things going on in Lexington this weekend, and part of their argument is that they had campus dorm rooms and Louisville is sixty five miles away. Their argument is well, Pete fans can stay an hour away or can stay on campus. We're going to sh- let them so the teams will be staying in dorm rooms at Kentucky, and Kentucky is charging them to utilize these dorm rooms on campus. Um, this is an absolutely miserable situation for every single visiting team and fan who has to find a hotel room an hour away and drive in every day if they want to cheer them on. Like, I I, I have a hard time. Like, I, There's no team I'm rooting against more than Kentucky. I understand they deserve to host based off of the season that they had. But, um... You got to be kidding me with this! The argument they used being valid when you already had seven SEC hosts, you probably could have just been like, "Yeah, sorry guys, we're going to send you elsewhere." This is ridiculous. You, you booked too many things. Sorry, uh, I'm but, rooting against Kentucky, but I'm having a hard time seeing anybody else win this regional. When literally, like, what are other fans going to do?
2: This the, the worst thing I saw in that in that uh, I don't know that thing that got tweeted out was that there's only one Keurig machine allowed per dorm, like are like available in each dorm room. That's not enough coffee for me. That's well, yeah. not going to be enough coffee for a hundred people, like a hundred baseball, I mean, I know, 50 baseball players and staff.
1: Equipment manager is definitely going to be packing yeah. the coffee pots. Absolutely. I, I'm going to, I'm going to push back. Philip. I don't think Kentucky deserved to host. I think that the RPI of number two was what led them to hosting, but they've lost six out of their last seven series. That is absurd that a team that has lost six of their last seven, series is hosting a regional like that's like case in point against the RPI teams that have not won like that they they won a series against South Carolina when South Carolina was missing their entire team let's see uh about a month ago and then before that the last series that they had won was when they played Missouri in March so <laughs> they have not won Yikes. yeah they not win a series in the month of April
0: <laughs> we gotta get rid of the RPI yeah we've talked about this we haven't talked about on. this with People on softball, like we, we gotta do, we gotta do something about this. Um, I appreciate that because I, it's not that I want, yeah, Kentucky should not be hosting. Like, I don't, I don't. The SEC bias, whatever, the RPI stuff, like, come on, this is dumb. I am rooting so hard for everybody not named Kentucky. Obviously, West Virginia, of course, but I'm rooting for so hard for everybody not named Kentucky because this is some absolute nonsense. Okay, the one Big 12 team that is hosting a regional this weekend and the only one favored to win the regional, Oklahoma State, the 11 seed in Stillwater, 51% chance to win the regional. Uh, Dallas Baptist, the 2 seed with the 21%, you the 14 seed with 17%, and Washington, the, 12, the 3 seed with 12%. Uh, Oh, I know OSU fans saw who is going to be in the regional, and it it sucks when you're Oklahoma State and you are the second, the only team west of you who is hosting a regional is Stanford. Everyone else is east of you, which is insane to say out loud that nobody west of Stillwater, there's one team west of Stillwater hosting a regional this year. There's no one in the state of Texas. It's a wacky year when the SEC gets half of the hosting spots, but, you know, RPI is what it is.
2: <clears throat> this was the first year since 2013 that a team from Texas didn't host. It's a long time. Crazy. Yeah.
0: That's a, that's a, it's been a minute since yeah. this happened. Uh, I know you fans are a little stressed out seeing both DBU and ORU who have, of course, they were in midweek games but beaten Oklahoma State this season. Uh, DBU and ORU, two teams. And ORU, a team that, look, Josh Holliday has an incredible bedlam record and it's fun to tout. Uh, Josh Holiday has a losing record against Oral Roberts. Um, it's, not, it's not something you want to see. This is going to be a tough regional in Stillwater for Oklahoma State. I, I, I think Oklahoma State should come out of this. I do think... It reminds me of the softball where, you know, well, maybe, you know, they lost to Wichita State. I think, folks, with midweek versus your best players, it's a very different situation. I think Oklahoma State should come out of this regional. Could we see some interesting games? Could we see anything like last year in Stillwater where everyone was putting up 21 runs each? I don't know. Uh, What do you guys think here?
1: I think that we don't have to tell Oklahoma State fans this four season. Oral Roberts is probably the best four seed in the tournament. This is this is not your your run of the mill four seed. This is a four seed that won forty six games. They went twenty three and one in conference. It's the Summit League. I get it. Not it's twenty three win. It, that's hard to do. Sub five FIP over four hundred. Wilba one of the best fielding percentages in the country. So nine eighty three fielding percentage means that this team's not going to beat themselves into any time in postseason baseball when you don't give a team extra outs bodes well. They didn't do it against the best strength of schedule, but like you said, they have already played Oklahoma State. They're not going to be intimidated to be in Stillwater. I think this is a very, very tricky first-round matchup for Oklahoma State.
2: This is, yeah, so Oral Roberts is the highest four-seed win, like, percentage to win their regional, and it's almost double the number two team, Eastern Illinois, in, in, in Nashville. Um, so This is they, a legit four-seed. <laughs> yeah, they had to overcome, like, stats basically like four seeds don't win regionals there's like there's been like a few in the last 23 uh 23 seasons so that's basically what they're overcoming it for that number uh so yeah this is a really good four seed probably the toughest regional is, is this in my opinion i don't know what do you think john
1: i think that's fair to say and that's the reason why oklahoma state is one of the lowest one seeds to win still though home teams tend to win regional so the model well. does say 51 chance and i agree if i were a betting man oklahoma state should make it out of this but you know, if I had to take, uh, is Wake Forest going to make it out of the regional or is Oklahoma State? You know, I might bet on bet on Wake Forest.
0: Yeah, look, I you go twenty three and one in conference play, you lose one game. Baseball is weird. Baseball is a it's weird sport. Think. It's a long <laughs> season to lose one game in conference play, and, and of course they're going to go to OSU. Like its proximity, you're not going to be like, oh, ORU's going to. Auburn like nah you guys are going up the road you're just gonna go right there which sucks for OSU every time ORU is good and and no one in Texas is hosting but uh, I I do think it'll be a tough one for Oklahoma State but I I mean I I do think OSU comes out of this regional like I just I do and I, I'm not trying to be like OSU fan Homer I just I'm not gonna ORU and DBU are gonna throw their best at OSU but I think they threw their best at OSU during midweek games as well because those games are so important for Dallas Baptist and for ORU and making the postseason and those opportunities. Like They're not throwing out their midweek whatever, guys. They're throwing out their best in the midweek as well. OSU has not been doing that. So I, I, I feel good about OSU making their way, especially the way the offense has been playing uh, out of this regional, uh, whether they lose a game or not. Um, I mean l- – Looking at this, you have one Big Twelve host. Obviously, you know, Oklahoma was not a host last year. They were able to get all the way to Omaha. If you have to pick two Big Twelve teams, because pick, saying pick one is is lazy, and, and I know OSU, right? <laughs> but they've got Vandy at, at probably in supers if they get out of it, which is right. oh my. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here. I'm gonna say if you have to pick two Big Twelve teams to make it to Omaha, because picking one is too easy. Who would be the two you would pick?
1: I think OSU and Texas. Texas. I think yep. Texas is the easy second. And the reason that is, I think Miami is vulnerable. Miami's had the issues winning home regionals. And then that 8-9 matchup is actually, would be Stanford. Texas used to year in and year out travel, had a home and home with Stanford. So Texas is is no, like they, the coaches, know Stanford, the players. I don't know if at this point, any one of them have played at Stanford, but this is like, that that's not going to intimidate them if they have to go to Stanford. So I think Texas has a very clear path to Omaha.
2: Yeah, the other one for me might be West Virginia if they hadn't lost their last five games. It's just the whole thing about Kentucky. Like, maybe the players are a little bit uncomfortable having this be in the dorms, but I, I don't know if there's <laughs> going to be enough Kentucky fans there because they can't stay there either. I mean, they're, maybe they live around there, so that's fine. But like, I don't know. West Virginia is not bad. Like, this is a it's an interesting West Virginia squad. I they could easily win that 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 region. LSU's probably going to win that one. West Virginia fans travel well, so if they need that like fan support backing them up in baton rouge they could sneak in sneak out and win that one i i don't know if i can see it though so i'm trying to pick someone other than texas i guess
1: something to circle for sure though is if texas wins the miami regional and texas a&m wins the stanford regional there's actually not great protocols for how the host of that super regional is decided so either texas or a&m would host that super regional and no matter what someone's going to to be up in arms about it my money is i would be in austin uh but it, it would be fascinating to see what happens there <laughs> i
2: think i think it comes down to a bid between the athletic departments and basically yeah. it just comes down to who has the most money and both are like number one and two in terms of athletic department money <laughs> so like, who not... knows yeah
1: it's gonna be great maybe they'll like bid to like, have it in a field in the middle of central texas
2: you know just <laughs> halfway between the two schools or maybe the uh the ncaa commissioner just or whatever whoever it is just finds a bunch of money in his on his front lawn just
1: i don't know it's yeah. maybe
2: colored in maroon or orange i don't know
1: <laughs> i know I, I it's you don't want to look ahead to the supers too much but like if I a&m and texas play in the supers that's it's just gonna be, gonna gonna be, so be toxic. Toxic. that's gonna be blockbuster
0: <laughs> i need that drama in my life just hook it right into the veins i got one ready to go right there that would be uh <laughs> that would be an incredible drama and I'm sure A&M will be much happier to see Texas than TCU because we know how that usually goes. Uh, you guys have been awesome. As I, It's one of my favorite jokes. It's just, I, I don't know
1: why. A&M broke a that curse. curse. A&M beat TCU in the in the College Station Regional last year. So I don't know. I the think maybe. It's just- Schloss, right? Yeah, it's a Schloss curse. <laughs> there
0: you go. There you go. I can't beat him, Hiram. Uh, <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Uh, get, uh, we'll make a Kevin Durant joke, but it's starting to get dated at this point. Once you leave for four different teams, it it's not the same anymore. Okay, uh, you guys have been awesome as always. I appreciate your time every single time. Do me a favor, plug it all. You guys are gonna be up to your uh, ears, nose, eyebrows uh with college baseball this weekend. uh Where can everybody follow all the incredible work you guys are doing?
1: College Baseball Nation podcast is where you can listen to more of our wonderful voices. You also can check out our website, college baseball.info, our socials at college ball on that. And you are right. We are going to be all the way underwater in baseball this weekend. I took off work from my main job on
2: Friday for this. The <laughs> job that paid on- my bills.
1: I'm on paternity leave, so me and the kid are going to be watching baseball all weekend. <laughs> That's a on good. That was smart to time that
0: up. That yeah. was smart to time yeah, that yeah, up exactly. that way. Very, very <laughs> clever. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, kids are always easy to uh, plan. And, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> as always, guys, uh, collegebaseball.info. Uh, go to the dashboard there. Fantastic stuff. Uh, boys, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the postseason. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
2: Podcast Network.